Somewhere in Between is sponsored by Dick Carrier's Men's Undergarments. Respect your package. Somewhere in between the radical arguments of today's world topics of sports, faith, politics, and the economy lies evasive conclusions called the truth. Somewhere in between has a mission of getting to the truth, that place where revelation lies and wisdom prevails. Our guest today is Ed Marinero, college and NFL football star and movie and TV star. Ed attended Cornell University and set 16 NCAA records, including being the first running back in NCAA history to rush over 4,000 yards. Ed led the nation in rushing in 1971. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame and was also a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. Ed played running back in the NFL for the Vikings, the Jets, and the Seahawks over six years. Ed is currently an actor and a movie and TV star. He played many parts and his key roles are listed here. Ed is currently starring as Coach Marty Daniels in the hit show Blue Mountain State. And now, Ed Marinero joins Coach Moles and the Coop. Hey, welcome everybody. This is episode 10 of Somewhere in Between with Coach Moles and the Coop. And today we have a special guest and uh, I'm going to I'm going to actually uh, slide this over to Moles because they've had a relationship longer than I have with uh, our guest Ed Marinero. So I'm going to pull a fast one on you today. And, uh, well, well actually read all the Ed, accolades. Ed played with my brother Mark at the Minnesota Vikings. Exactly, yeah. And uh Yeah. When he was with the Vikings, and I actually never met him. Um, I met Ed on this on the uh, on the set of Hill Street Blues in uh, in L.A. It was supposed to be a New York type deal, but it was they actually shot it in L.A. I don't know if you remember that. My wife and my wife and I came down to the set. Do you remember that, Ed? I do. I do. Yeah, and then uh, we went over to Ed's house afterward. But that was. Some years after football, I mean, you had already done Laverne and Shirley uh, and some other parts, and I think you were in like year four or something of Hill Street Blues. So, uh, you know, so Ed has a relationship with my brother Mark, so I'm tagging through his through his relationship with my brother Mark. They've been good friends for what year did uh, Mark went in in 75, and you went in in 74 or something like that? No, I was, I was, uh, I was, I came in 72. I think Mark came in 74 or five because 75 was my last year with Minnesota. Mark was a rookie. I kind of took him under my wing and, uh, you know, we've been good friends ever since. He's, uh, he's, he's a special guy. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad he's my friend. I, we, we, he's one of the few guys I stay in touch with that I played with in Minnesota. So everybody knows uh, that who's looking at this, uh, Ed was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings, Cornell University. Um, I'm going to have... Uh, yeah, let's let's run through the... I mean, not only do people understand that Ed here. was a great, great football player, as I read through your bio, Ed, amazing, by the way, and then uh, and then such a Hollywood star to, to boot, you know, currently uh, plays the coach, Marty Daniels, in the popular show, The Blue Mountain State. And I saw some clips from that, and it just... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta jump on that series of way, things. way outside your personality, man. That proves you're a good actor. <laughs> but Ed's got two bios. I, 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 I can't say anything. Okay, I can't say anything. 
It's hard to explain. Oh, but so Ed started in uh, high school at New Milford, New Jersey, uh, for the New Milford High School Knights. Uh, moved on to college at Cornell University, where he set 16 NCAA records. First running back in NCAA history to Who run for 4,000 career. Who else do you think has ever set 16 NCAA? No, I don't think that's happened. Yeah. It's got to be like two or three people. Maybe. Well, and here's why. Well, well so then in, uh, he's inducted in 1991 to the College Football Hall of Fame. Right, runner up to Pat Sullivan in '71, um, the highest finish of an Ivy League player since the league, you know, de-emphasized football back in the 1950s, um, for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, really? I mean, Heisman Trophy. Yeah, Heisman Trophy. Just the Heisman. It's you not. Know. not, not I, I, I was trophy. I was a runner up for the Budweiserman Trophy, but that, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole other story. So, uh, so then then it wins the 1971 Max Maxwell Award and the UPI College Player of the Year. Um, as a top player in college football, holds two NCAA records, most rushes per game in a season. Um, uh, per game, sorry, rushes per rushes per game in a season, uh, 30, 39.6 and 71, a career average, career average careers per game. Carries. Carries. You didn't, this, no, this, yeah, carries per game, sorry, 34, 34. Carry. That's, see, that's when, that's when football was football. When, when you hand, we handed off to the back, we said, "Let's go to let's go to town." I mean, let's let's wear these dudes out, <laughs> right? Now it's a, a throwing game. So, I love that. I love that old football. Andy, we'll talk more about that. Anyway, uh, Juan Cornell, um, you know, Ed was a member of the PS PSI. Sci. Sci. Oh, okay. It's, that's it, a okay. So that's a little bit above my threshold here. Sai, uh, yeah, Latin. Is that my Sai song? That's it. Cy Epsilon. He didn't go to Cornell, can you tell? Yeah, I'm not an Ivy League guy. Um, <laughs> he went to Miami. You know, you know, you know who one of my head. you know who one of my fraternity brothers was uh, at Cornell was uh, Peter Coors from uh, Coors Beer. Yeah, Peter. Yeah. I was a freshman. I was a freshman. He used to sneak uh, Coors Beer to Ithaca, New York. Before it was, uh, right. you could get it east of the Rocky Mountains. The nineteen that was nineteen sixty eight nine, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I, I kind of stayed in touch with him. You know, I haven't seen him in a long time, but I just not long ago I dropped him a, a line just to say hello. Um, yeah, but he uh, he's a great guy. He's uh, I knew his 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 uncle Joe Coors. Um, who was running the business? But uh, yeah, that's quite a you know quite a family. Very impressive family. Yeah, I've, I'm close to the Joe's ki- Joe Coors's uh, daughter is Holly Coors. She's a very very good friend of mine, and I I trained her son um, Declan for since he was in eighth grade, um, and real close to that family. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it, it, it goes on to, what, six years in the NFL, two Super Bowls with the Vikings, played for the Jets, the Seahawks, right? 13 touchdowns over your career. Um, named BS one of the 150 greatest players in college football in 150-year history. And then, uh, and then, so let's talk about Hollywood a little bit. Uh, uh, filmology, Fingers, The Gong Show Movie, Hill Street Blues, Dead Aim, Queen's Logic, Sisters, Amy Fisher, my story, the protector, circus camp, 
Fist of the Warrior, offering compromise, and now Blue Mountain States as uh, Coach Marty Daniels. Um, and, Thing is, and you need to know that he actually played Joey Buttafuoco. Uh, Joey Buttafuoco is a very, very, very pop, uh, well-known name in, in this world. That was just one of the strangest uh, relationships that was populated throughout all the all the you know media and stuff. And uh, we're looking at Joey Buttafuoco. But that was a fun. That was a fun one. Uh, they actually. All three networks at the time, they all did a version of the Amy Fisher story. ABC, NBC, CBS. I did uh, the NBC version because uh, at the time I was I, – I, I worked a lot for NBC. Blue Mountain, uh, Hill Street Blues, did a show called Sisters. Uh, so I was kind of part of their little family. So that's why I got to play Joey in the NBC version. And um, – yeah, it was a, it was kind of uh, very topical at the time, but it, it it's pale compared to the stuff that's going on in the world today. It's like it was it, yeah, it was, was nothing. That was nothing. <laughs> so uh, another uh, detail in your life that uh, we'll, uh, we'll discuss and talk about because we have a lot of people in, in our audience that uh, have athletes, um, a lot of parents. Uh, a lot of athletes on, on our uh, that watch our podcast. Uh, Ed has a son that just graduated from that's graduating from high school that is headed to Cornell in his pops foot, wow. footprints uh, as a quarterback, as I understand, and uh, he's uh, headed there next. He's headed he's headed there next year. So we have a we have a a dad, a, a football dad. <coughs> Have you dealt with a few of those in, in your life? Me, me included. <laughs> yeah, uh, you my were... son's a, a redshirt freshman down at UTEP, so it's uh, been an no. interesting run. Yeah, he's a big six foot uh, six to 285, 90 pound kid that's uh, you know figuring his way out, and and uh, you know it's it's been an interesting experience, and then especially going through this COVID crap for him. You know what I mean? But uh, but Moles and I have done a lot of training and coaching over the years with uh, you know kids in clinics and I coached youth football for mid middle school youth football for shoot 12 years and we've had a lot of fun with that but but the parent side of it is always a little bit of a challenge but we always set the record straight from day one how it was all going to be handled or or you got fired <laughs> in our in our organization yeah so yeah. well so Ed you played uh, for three NFL teams the Vikings you went to in, you said 72 were you in the 72 draft 72 okay. my rookie year yeah Okay, and then you uh, you played uh, at the Vikings till '75. Then you went to the Jets. Right, played one year with the Jets, and uh, <coughs> I got uh, I got injured, had a bad foot injury the seventh game of the season, playing Monday Night Football. Um, you know, one of the reasons I was one of the first true free agents. In, in the NFL history, because in 1975 they declared the Roselle Rule unconstitutional, which sort of inhibited people's ability to go from one team to another. So that one year was the first year, and uh, that's when John Riggins uh, left um, the Jets and went to Washington. 
drafted Calvin Hill, went from Dallas to Cleveland, and there were a couple of other people. I was a I was a free agent. I played out my contract with the Vikings. Under normal circumstances, before this rule was declared unconstitutional, I I had no options except to sign again with the, with the uh, Vikings. But I got to to leave and go play for the Jets. Now, you know, I love being in Minnesota. Had a you know great coach, Bud Grant. I played two Super Bowls, which I think is everybody's NFL player's you know goal or dream. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I accomplished, you know, I accomplished that. But you know, I was unfortunately I was playing in the same backfield with Chuck Warren, who was uh, just a, a great football player. But I, you know, I never really got to do what I felt I did best. You know, we'll, we'll run with the ball. I got there. I mean, I was always it was curious how the Vikings chose me in the first place. Uh, and then when I got there, they asked me to do two things, block and catch passes. And those are two things I never did in college. So I don't know what, what their um, you know thinking was when they drafted me. But anyway, so I spent four years you know, never really getting a chance to run with the ball. And so I left when I did leave to go to the Jets. You know, I, I, uh, Joe Namath is is a dear friend to this day, and he was that was his last year with the Jets. But a, after you know finding my way a little bit, I I, I had two hundred yard rushing games uh, in a row uh, against uh, San Francisco, and then I had against the Buffalo Bills. And I was leading the team in rushing, scoring, and receiving, going into the seventh game, Monday Night Football in New England. And I, in the second quarter, I got a, a foot injury, really bad foot injury, called a Lisfranc injury. I don't know oh, if you yeah. ever oh, yeah. heard of that. Yeah, but and, and at the time, I don't think they knew what it was or had a diagnosis. Anyway, pretty much I was done for the season. And... um you know, I, but I, at least, I, you know, looking back, I proved that I could be a hundred-yard rusher in the NFL. I mean, yeah. that's sort of the the standard, and I, you know, I never really got to do that in in Minnesota. So it was disappointing. I probably, you know, I ended up playing six years. Had I not gotten injured, I w- I would have been a eight to ten year guy because you know I was pretty durable. I could, you know, I I was a at the end of my career, I could have, uh, you know, been a kind of a spot player, you know, a receiver. I could have played different positions and whatever. Have you ever been uh, out of shape, Ted? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know, it's funny. No, I haven't. But I tell you, you know, I've, I've been, I guess, kind of lucky. I, I mean, I'm not a whole lot different than most guys my age, except when I left football and went to Hollywood. I uh, I probably got in better shape when I was trying to be an actor than I was when I played football because it was a 12-month-a-year working out. When, when I played football, after the season was over, I'd pretty much take you know two or three months off and you know, maybe play pickup basketball or something, but I didn't start training again until maybe two months before the season started. But as an actor, you know, I... Um, 
Well, be, to be honest, they, they weren't hiring me as an actor because I was Marlon Brando. They were hiring me because I could take my shirt off and, uh, and be the, the boyfriend in these shows. Yeah. So, well, I remember uh, so that, in that scene that I, that I saw when I went out to Hill Street Blues, you ran down an alley, um, came over a fence and ran down an alley, and they, they shot it again and asked you not to run so fast. <laughs> That's the first time anybody ever asked me that. What was your 40 time? Right. <laughs> but, um, what, were your 40, what was your 40 time? You remember, or did they even do much of that back then? Okay. You know, no, no, they did. They did. But <clears throat> it wasn't um, nearly as, as sophisticated, and you know this. Oh, yeah, no. As, 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 I mean, I, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a senior in college, um, a couple of pro scouts, you know, that was they were coming to Cornell to, to see me and watch me work out and whatever. And uh, there were two scouts that came at the same time, and they were going to time in the 40. So we were on the field at Cornell, and they marched off 40 yards, and, and, the, and these two coaches were going down to the, you know, the end of the 40. And while they were walking, my coach – said um, move up move up <laughs> <laughs> so I, I moved up about two yards oh, I love it. so they tied me in at 38 and um, but but you know I was uh, no 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 yeah anyway so 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 anyway so you, you mentioned my son and I got him I had him work with a speed coach which exactly and I, you know I, and you know I, I told I told my son I said Eddie you're fast he, my son is fast my son is football fast and, and you know I know the difference he, oh, yeah. he can explode he can you know coming out of a cut you know, but as you know the barometer now is a 40 yard dash it's the one thing that Uh-oh, we, uh, lost we, your, lost you. we lost your audio. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah, we got, got you, you now. Got we you got now. You back. Okay. So we, we didn't hear the last part of that. Uh, I, you know, uh, uh, the 40 is is, an excuse, is a good excuse if a scout fails on a kid, you know. Well, at least, uh, but he ran a 4-3 or 4-4, but that doesn't mean. So I, you know, I, I told my son, he said, Eddie, you just got to. You got to learn the technique of running a forty. It's totally re- irrelevant when it comes to playing football. But if you want to, you know, you, you got to run a, a good forty-yard dash, and it's all technique. And you know, I watched some video of him being trained by the. We had a pretty good speed kid working with him, and and the technique was was amazing. But it was so technical. It it, it was Correct. so irrelevant. To, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, just to kick in on that. Oh, to answer to, to answer your question, I was a legitimate four six four six five guy. Yeah. Well, that's running, baby. So I, uh, I don't know. I've probably tested a half a million kids in the forty, maybe over forty years, but um, I got to be a speed coach as well. I. I teach a lot of positions I teach every position on the field coach every position on the field and I, I, I'm not bragging about that I learned it 
because my clients paid me and I went to colleges. I went to over 200 colleges. I studied with Division One schools, every position and all that kind of stuff. But so at one point, I actually owned the timing device uh, that they used at the NFL Combine. Then I actually had to ship it to Indianapolis. Um, and so I used to have to tell high school kids when they came to the Denver Broncos <coughs> camp when we were timing 40s and doing five ten fives and all that kind of stuff. And I'd have to tell them, listen, don't look, don't let this hurt your feelings when you run on this timer, because I know some of you guys have been to the Nike camps and to the Under Armour camps, and you're going to run two to three tenths of a second slower in this thing. And they're like, well, this is why one of the reasons why we turned it to a seven on seven camp because all we were doing was pissing people off because these kids would run a 4.6 at a Nike camp and they'd run a 4.95 on this timer. So I used to have to tell kids, look, your high school coach's time and the NFL combine, if you run a 4.6, you don't run the 4.6 that guy's running at the NFL combine. He'll beat you by five yards. So don't be thinking about the speed of an NFL player. Because they're so exact in, w in what they do, and it's so so important. The second thing is the 40 was created because it was the distance of punting back then. It was you were a good punter if you could average 40 yards with a punt. Now, if you average 40 yards a punt, you barely get past high school football, right? But right. 40 yards was set up because in the minimum they wanted to know how fast you could get downfield on special teams. Because if they they wanted to keep faster guys that were, if two guys were close in camp, they'd keep the guy that could run the forty, because he could he could he could run down on punts, and that's where that forty came from. So it, back then, I think it actually had more more of an appropriate definition than why it exists today, uh, because you know you look at uh, Jalen uh, Patrick Mahomes, a lot of people watch Patrick Mahomes run, they go, man, he's fast, he's fast. Patrick ran at 4.8 in the NFL Combine. He's not a real fast guy. He's a smart football player, and he knows how to he knows how to pick and choose and where he goes, and um, you know get it. It's, it's amazing how fast you can run when somebody's chasing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we. Uh, it's also how fast how fast you can run when you're chasing somebody, and if you don't get them, you get cut. You know, <laughs> yeah, but you know what else is interesting though is in pads. Some guys aren't as fast in pads as other guys are in pads, right? When you watch them run a forty, and then you watch them play, right? So there's fast in pads, and then there's fast out of pads. Well, if you go back and look at Ed in his day and all the guys around him, they ran with a lot more padding yeah. than they're running around with now. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a lot easier to run with that with that kind of equipment. But you're right. Go ahead, Ed. You were going to say something. You know, uh, just just. You know, it's like people, like smart kids don't test well, like in the SATs. They just don't test well. And a lot of kids just don't race well when they're running a race. When people are trying to run fast, it's if, if you don't know how to have total relaxation in your body, you're not going to run fast. And when you're trying to run fast, you have a tendency to everything to tense up and you're not going to run fast. To me, the best indicator, and, and I always felt this way, if I was running and there was a ball in the air and I had to go after get that ball, yep. 
everything was natural. I was not thinking about running fast. I was focused on getting that ball. And that's when you're at your most natural state of running, when you're, when you're not thinking about running, when you're thinking about catching a pass that's being thrown and you got to go get it. That's, that's your real indicator of speed. And I call that football speed. Yeah, you're right. You know, and, and you're right. You know, running. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, I mean, running, like, running a race. It's better to have something else on your brain than the running or anything you're doing, right? I mean, when you take, take a golf swing, the worst thing you thing is, think about is what the guy just told you. Hey, you better get your hip here, you know. And during the swing when you're hitting and you're thinking about your hip, you miss the ball. You know, I mean, that's well, uh, think about, think about, think about, you know, again, running a 40 yard dash and trying to run it as fast as you can and then having a, a, a wild dog chasing you for 40 yards, <laughs> which, which, which would run faster. Oh, that's absolutely, I actually had that happen. We guys were faster with a, a, a loaf of bread under their arm in Miami. <laughs> Yeah. Or a siren. I don't know. Guys there, there's, good with sirens. There, there's a lot of women in Miami that can run a four three forty because Coop was chasing them. <laughs> right? Oh uh, yeah. So there's uh, the you. So tell me about uh t- tell me about you just went through the four year experience of high school football with your son. Just uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing, sharing that experience. We have a lot of listeners that are going through the exact same experience that you've just been through. Your son's going to play Cornell at quarterback. Um, just let, let me know how that went. Let well, you know, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's really an excellent athlete. I mean, he plays three sports. He's the only kid in his school who plays three sports. He plays football, basketball, and lacrosse. Uh, as a sophomore, he was second team all state in lacrosse, and he wasn't even, he never played lacrosse until he became a Charleston. But he, he, and he, he's on the basketball team, and he's, you know, everybody on his team plays basketball all year round. Eddie comes in for the basketball season. So he's, you know, he's doesn't have the, confidence if you will the point is he's a really excellent athlete and um you know i i recognize that and i you know again i don't feel i've never felt qualified to coach i've never coached because i just you know i don't think i know enough about i can't teach somebody to how to do what i did you know you know, I, I just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to, um, cause I just did it. I, I don't, I never had great coaching. I never had anybody really tell me how to, how to shoot the basketball, how to catch a football or anything. And nobody ever coached me. I just, I mean, I'm a different generation. Right. I did it in sandlot stuff. I did it playing in the streets. I did that. That's how I learned. And nobody coached me. Little League Baseball, nobody told me how to hold a batter, how to throw a curveball. You know, I, I would watch it on TV and watch baseball on television. Basketball, you know, nobody, uh, you know, nobody, yeah, it was a different generation. So it's really hard for me to coach. So when, I, when I'm dealing with my son, 
you know, I, I have to really kind of restrain myself from trying to, you know, I see him do something and I, it doesn't look right to me. I don't know how to tell him how to do it right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know he's, I don't know if the proper way to, you know, I tell him, like, I'll give you an example. And I don't know if I'm, I'm telling him the right thing or not, but, it's all you know, right. I, it's all right. Go well, no, no, but, but, you know, just, you know, he's, he, he's got a good arm and I, and I keep telling him, you know, try to release the ball higher. I mean, I watch some of the other great quarterbacks, you know, they, you know, they, they released the, like the, the Brady's and the Manning's, they're releasing the ball up here. But then now I see these other kids, they're, they're, they're throwing it like, you know, Mahomes here, 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 all over the place. So there's no one way to do it. So, you know, I kind of, recognize my limitations so i keep my mouth shut i mean i i just i think that the, the one thing i tell them to do is uh and this sounds corny i said i said hey eddie you have to have a short memory you're a quarterback you ain't going to throw every pass great you're going to throw bad passes and if you let that stuff get you down you're not helping your team you have to have a very short memory if you're going to be a quarterback and don't try it because he gets, you know, he gets down on himself. I said, you got to have fun and you're going to throw bad passes. Everybody does. So, and you know, and I also tell him, I said, run out of bounds. <laughs> you didn't run out of bounds. <laughs> oh, I tell him, I said, Eddie, I said, don't be a hero, man. Unless you need the first down. If it's, if it's like third down and, eight and, and you're on the sidelines at five don't try to get that eight get out of bounds <laughs> punt you know you if know, you're gonna get an extra if you're gonna get that extra yard it's still gonna be third down and, and fourth down and four you know forget it so so i'll give you a little thought here uh you know when you get to college and i don't know that much the about league, the to be honest with you it was really hard to get kids into the ivy league and some parents would say, I want my son to go to Dartmouth, and we'd go through this whole process. And March 3rd, they'd have a review and say, sorry, your son didn't get in. And they lost, you know, typically grades. Places. It's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get in. Um, but, you know, it, tall, quarter, tall quarterbacks, 12 years ago, if you weren't six, at least 6'3", you weren't going to get recruited in college, period. Now it's we've got these running quarterbacks, and I really think Tim Tebow is the one that broke that barrier. Painfully for him, was running the ball. You know, oh, he's never going to make it in the NFL running like that. Now, you know, the MVP of the league was a running quarterback who could kind of throw the football last year in Lamar Jackson. He doesn't throw the ball in an elite way. But the fact is, these guys are six eight, Ed. You know, in the NFL. You know, and these guys, and you look at Alabama's offensive line, they're 6'8". Jalen Hurts was throwing over guys at Oklahoma that are 6'6", six, 6'8". Six, 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 and, you know, that high release you're talking about was taught because you had to be able to throw the ball over an offensive line. And sometimes they'd be down, you know, or what you would look for is openings between right. the guard and tackle or throw between there. So when you're a shorter guy like Mahomes is and like uh, P Baker Mayfield is, um, you know. Well, Mahomes is like 6'2". He's not, he's not a, that short. He's a 6'2", 6'3". Baker Mayfield is probably like six, maybe 6'4". Yeah, 
bitch was Kyle Murray. How, how big is he? Five six? <laughs> oh, he's tiny. But, well, well, Drew Brees. I bet Drew Brees is, is and, and, and Russell Wilson. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, so they, you know, look, they have to they have to figure out how to you know find passing lanes. You know, like, hey, listen, I'm, you know, the offensive lineman, my, my offensive tackle needs to know I'm throwing a slant to the right side. So he'll cut that defensive end because I can't throw over him. Exactly. I need him to cut that guy down so I can get get the ball over him. So, you know, that's, that's 15 yards. That's 15 yards. You cut some guy like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but so the the answer that you're saying is, is exactly right. I mean, there's no right way to do this anymore. Hey, uh, hang on just a, just a second here, Ed. Mark? Mark? Hi, right, how's it going? Ed, we got Marco. Hey, Marco. <laughs> hey. My brother Mark Mullaney <laughs> calling in for people that are wondering what's going on. Uh, good Hey. Friends. Go ahead, Mark. Eddie, how's it going, buddy? Going good, going good. I can't wait to see what I'm going to get paid for this. <laughs> it's hey, the you, big did, money did, as did usual. You, did you get the underwear? I got the underwear. I got the underwear. And you know what you I don't know pay. who they thought. I don't know. I don't know who they thought I was. Paid to be extra large underwear. <laughs> did he say the largest? Extra large. Extra largest. Oh yeah, I've heard stories. <laughs> just, yeah. It might go with your resume, that long resume. <laughs> so, uh, oh, they look pretty. They look pretty cool. <laughs> the the legend lives on. Yes, sir. Hey. <laughs> so anyway, Coop, how's it going? Good, buddy. How are you? Good. Awesome. I'm still having to deal with your brother here, but we'll get over it sometime. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking about Ed's son, uh, Mark, uh, and you can kick in with any thoughts you, you have, uh, but we are talking about Ed's son is now going to uh, Cornell, uh, and Ed was talking about being a dad through high school, a very unusual dad. I mean, he's uh, saying, look, I, didn't, I don't tell my son how to do these things because, quite honestly, I don't think I know how to do the things that he's trying to do as a quarterback uh, going to Cornell. Um, the uh, He's going in with some big footsteps at Cornell as well, your son. Uh, right, Ed? Yeah, fortunately, he's not playing in the same position. So, uh, I mean, he'll get, he'll, get, uh, he'll get probably more attention than he deserves when he starts out. But, um, you know, I, I guess look, he's um, – I, I kind of don't know how uh, – I, I try to talk to him about it, actually. You know, I, I, when when he got into Cornell, I, I sat him down. You know, said, are, you, are you okay? I mean, how do you feel about this? I mean, you know, I mean, I wanted to just get his thoughts. I just didn't want to ignore the fact, you know. You know no, I'm, he says I'm uh, I'm going to be better than you. And he said so. I said, okay, good. <laughs> so I said that's good. That's good. Okay, I'll see you later. And I, you know, I left. I left the room. A little hurt, but um, so he's. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I, how do you, how do you, um, no, how do you? Uh, uh, I, I hope he's proud of me, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I know I've been a pretty good dad to him, 
so he's proud of me. It's not like I'm some jerk dad who's been, you know, pushing him and yelling at him. And, you know, I've, you know, I've been very supportive in a very low key way. You know, all his, you know, I mean, he's had to deal with having a famous dad for a long time. And then, you know, a lot of people, the, 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 the weird thing about it is, okay, the weird thing is, you know, I, my football career was, you know, 45 years ago, okay? And my history of blues was in the early, late, mid-80s. Now, if that's all I had ever done, no one would even, hardly anybody would know who I am. But when I did Blue Mountain State, all, it's a whole generation now of men 30 to kids 16 years old. These boys, it's it's crazy. Wherever I go, I mean, these kids freak out. It was, um, you know, there's a there's a uh, I think it's a website it's called The Athletic. Have you ever seen it on uh, online? The Athletic, yeah. So they just did an article about how Blue Mountain State became a cult sensation. Absolutely. Because because when the show was on originally. It was before any streaming uh, operations. And then when the show was canceled, you know, we did 39 episodes. It was canceled. Then it went on Netflix for five years. And that's when a whole new generation, you know, the kids who watched it when it was first on, like in 2010 and 11, you know, they were college kids. Just They loved it. They loved the show. College girls. I mean, I had these girls coming up to me. So now we're talking about it's about 10 years later. And these kids who were 20, or, you know, 18, 19, 20, back when it first came on, are 30. So I, I, I come across these, you know, 30-year-old guys who, who, like, freak out. I mean, and, and you know, they, 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 they – I must have done something right or, or something wrong. <laughs> but they, uh, <laughs> you know, I have this whole audience like uh, that. You know, it's very unique. It's very unique for a guy who saved his life at my age to have like 17, 18 year old guys coming up to me and wanting their picture taken. Eddie, my son, when he was a, I think he was playing JV football, I went to a game. Uh, and it was an away game. And I'm standing on the side, and I went by the fence, and there's the opposing team came running out, going, rrr, rrr, rrr. and the, the guy in the front, the captain, he looks, and he looks over and he goes, it's Coach Marty Daniels. <laughs> and after the, game, <laughs> after the game, I had my picture taken, and we beat them, I remember. But the whole team came over to the fence. There's like 30 kids, and I might get my picture taken with these kids. It was like, you know, it, it, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's mind blowing for again, just for a guy my age. Sure, absolutely. You know, just to verify yeah. your story. I, so I go to uh, a school. Uh, I won't say the name of the school that I coached at about uh, three or four years ago, here in Colorado, and uh, I'm co- I'm coaching, helping coach the offense. And the and uh, particularly the offensive line because they were pretty bad. And the kids, my first day there, they go, 
You know who you remind us of, Coach? <laughs> you remind us of the coach at Blue Mountain State. And I go, that's not good. <laughs> but they go, oh, Coach, he's our favorite. I mean, every kid on that team was talking about it. I said, well, it's a guy, Ed Marinero. He's a friend of my brother's. I've met him a few times. You've met, you've met Ed Marinero. Coach, can you get his autograph? I said, well, I think he kind of likes me right now, you know? And they go, yeah? I said, yeah. So That's I'm not funny. getting your autograph, you know, getting you an autograph. So I go to the next school, Rock Canyon High School, which I coached just uh, last fall, not this fall, but last fall. And every kid on that team that I knew no, would talk to me about, you know, you remind us the way you coach. They're saying I coach like you. They, don't, they weren't saying I look like you, Ed. They were saying I coach like you. And, and uh, well, that's not that's not a good. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But every single kid on that team no, knew who you were. Moses got that so old school. You old got school. You got this little cult mentality. following out there. That uh, that's yeah, well, and that's 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 well, you know, again, getting back to, to you know my son is like he, you know, his, all his classmates, all his you know kids that he plays against. When he plays against the team, you know they'll be they'll tackle him and go, "Your know, coach Marty's son, right?" <laughs> so he's had to he's had he's had to deal with it. He's had to deal with it above and beyond, if you will. I mean, if my career just ended at Hill Street Blues, you know, none of these kids would know anything about any of that. But but the funny thing is. His, there's a whole generation that have no idea I'd play football. I got to tell them, you know. Sure. I, when, when they say, yeah, and I, I meet him and I go, I say, oh, by the way, you know, I played in two Super Bowls and I show him my ring. <laughs> they go, are you kidding? Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. So did you play in the Super Bowl with Mark? Did you guys, were you, were you on that team? I don't, I don't remember I left that year when they played Oakland. I played in, in in two in a row. I played in '73 and '74. '75, we we lost that uh, game to the Cowboys in the Hail Mary pass. Yeah. Um, to Drew Pearson in Minnesota with like 19 seconds to go, and and or else we would have gone to three Super Bowls in a row. And then next year I went to the Jets, and that's when the Vikings went. Um, Played Oakland. Yeah, um, that's Mark, when Mark was on. Mark, the you played in that uh, Hail Mary game, right? <coughs> yep, yep, that was my rookie year. That was uh, oh, his rookie year, right? Yeah, that was my rookie year when Ed took me under his wing and showed me the ropes back in the day. There. Yeah, I went to that. I that went to those was, bars. That, that was close. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what they so call more ropes? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what was that? Uh, hey, we had Gary Dunn on last week, so anything in this this, this oh, podcast man. has been this is completely sober. Sober. <laughs> what we're doing right now is completely sober. Completely. Gary Dunn. You remember this. Gary Dunn from uh, Pittsburgh Steelers down at the Red Bones? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. This is a lot more more sobering and informational. <laughs> he was actually licking a parrot in that show, uh, and but anyway, <laughs> so. Uh, so your son's going off to going off to Cornell. He's excited to go. Was he recruited uh, at any other level or by any other teams? 
Well, it, it, it was, as you can imagine, this whole recruiting right. session was, you know, I mean, before the whole Corona thing hit, you know, we were headed up to some camps. We were going to go to the Cornell camp, going to go to Wake Forest camp, sure. going up to that big New England camp. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, those are uh, evaluation camps. Right. And, you know, he got invited. He got, he talked to, you know, a lot of coaches. He talked to almost all the Ivy League coaches. He talked to the Harvard coach, the Princeton coach, invited him to, to the campus to see a game. And, and then everything stopped. So yeah, it's been like wow, that. This year. Wow, it's been like tough. that this year. It's been horrible. This is yeah, horrible so, year, so, yeah. yeah, so yeah, so so I mean, I, I didn't know uh I kind of didn't know what, what to do. And so and I I talked to this group out of up in Boston who helps find you know, colleges uh for kids, football players and stuff and and I talked to them about it, but I, I never did anything with them because I didn't know whether we were even going to have a football season. Right. So we were lucky. We were lucky because we did have a season, and Eddie got to play seven games. And my strategy was, I said, all he needed was 25 plays in seven games that I could put on a, his huddle reel. Okay. Yeah. It's a 25 plays. And it'll, because a lot of schools, a lot of states had no football at all. I bet more states didn't have football than did have football. And um, so, sure enough, you know, we had uh, seven games and he had, he had some great plays, right? Throwing the ball, running the ball. I mean, really highlights great great runs and just about that time the cornell coach called me and said uh you know look we want to uh we got a spot for him we want him to come to cornell so the whole process happened real quick you know they uh he was being recruited as a football player as an athlete and you know it was like uh we had nothing else going on. Um, so, you know. And then uh, we, went, we, went, we went from the, the outhouse to the penthouse because we, we didn't know where he was going to go to school. He was getting letters from, you know, I, I didn't, this is my first time through this process. You know, I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, we wanted two things. We wanted to go to a good school and we wanted to play football. I mean, and the football was the big part. He, you know, I, he wants to play football, he, and he that's he wanted to be recruited, and he was being recruited. So we not only were going to get to play football, but he's going to a great school. And um, you know, unfortunately, I have to pay for it because they don't give athletic scholarships. So <laughs> I don't think you. Yeah, I was kind of hoping. I was hope. You know, I was kind of hoping. Uh, against hope that, you know, they throw me a bone or something. But um, anyway, but, so, you know, uh, <laughs> you, know. you got two, two guys on this call, Mark and Mark, Mark Cooper, Mark Mullaney, who had sons who had like for in Coop's case, his son was only, I don't know, six to 195 pounds as a junior in high school. And uh, coming out of that, he, uh, 
he's now an offensive tackle at UTEP. His son is. Uh, he went from a tight end to a tackle his senior year, and he grew. He went from six three one ninety five to six five six six, uh, two forty to two sixty his senior year. Right. Yeah, he so started his senior. Year, yeah, he started his senior year at two forty, and uh, I was working with him. Yep. And he got to two sixty, and uh, with some uh, weights in his pockets, and you know that drill, right? <laughs> and Coop's calling me saying. At the beginning of the year, what do I need to do? I, I got. Should I send his film out? I go, no, absolutely not. And uh, why? I go, well, if they're looking for bananas, you don't send them apples. You know, your son's too small, too weak. He's getting there. He just, he's just arriving. Yeah, as we a, waited till mid-season before we even started putting yeah. huddle stuff together. And he started getting offers after the season was over for the first time in his senior year. He wouldn't have made it this year. Is my point? No, not at all. No, he wouldn't have. Had, there's no way he would have been able to go play. He wouldn't college have had football. enough film. Uh, it would have, as it a would nobody, have, it would have destroyed him. Mark's son, Mark calls me from uh, Minnesota. And he goes, I can't believe you know my kid is like one of the best linebackers in the in the state of Minnesota. You know, he's playing great. You know, he's great, great football player, and he was. He was one of the best players I've seen play linebacker in high school football. In Mark, Mark Jr. You go. Your son's name is Eddie. Your name's Ed. You call him Eddie, right? And we call Mark's son Mar Marky. So, uh, Marky, uh, I get a call, and Mark says he is nothing. He's got nothing in his senior year. And so, uh, and uh, Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I just started putting his film out to people his senior year. And he ended up getting New Mexico State came in, New Mexico came in, uh, and Wyoming came in. And uh, Mark committed to go to the University of Wyoming because that was the best offer he had, he thought. And the night before signing date, the University of Minnesota offered him a scholarship, and that's where he ended up going. But none of this, neither for either one of these guys. You know, they always say, you know, you got to send your film out when you're a freshman, sophomore. I, you know, parents, I tell parents, you, you, every kid has his now moment. You know, it's this time when they, they arrive, you know, and they're recruitable. Don't do anything until they reach their now moment. Well, it sounds like your son did exceptionally well for this year because neither guy on this phone, Mark nor Mark, uh, neither one of their sons would have made it through this COVID year. No, we did to do the junior college route. Would you agree with that, Mark? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was um, until I got a hold of you. I, I, I didn't even have a film. I think you put together the film for me. I did, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, and um, well, you, you know what's interesting is um, before Cornell reached out to us, um, we were considering a year of prep school. Yeah, um, yep. and that's what a lot of kids probably are going to do. Mm -hmm. And also, what's interesting is the like the Cornell freshman right now. The freshman class, this was their first year at Cornell. Right. They didn't play football. They're going to be considered super freshmen next year. Yes, they got an extra year. So, so, so yeah. yeah, so, well, yeah, so my son uh, is going to be, you know, a freshman with a, a another whole group of freshmen, technically. So, uh, 
you know, it'll be, wow. it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good and bad because it kind of backs, backs the system up a little bit, too. Well, yeah, there's I mean, no scholarships available this year because right. these, these uh, NCAA schools right. are, yeah. are all indemnified to it. Yeah, I think the kids who miss their senior year, I think they're going to give them a chance to play yes. next year. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know what? But they're not alone. Everybody's dealing with the same stuff. So it's uh, just, you know, it, you it's not business as usual. You mentioned Peter Coors. Uh, well, and I mentioned Holly Coors, his, his niece, uh, her son, Declan. And now a word from our sponsor, Dick Carriers. Respect your package. Go to respectyourpackage.com. Use discount code SIB Moles and Coop, all caps. That's S I B M U L L S A N D C O O P, all caps. Now back to our podcast. Her son Declan, um, he uh, he tore his ACL his senior year in high school at Valor Christian High School, a school where uh, the McCaffrey kids all went, Christian McCaffrey and all those kids, and. Uh, he didn't get to play his senior year. So before the COVID went in, he committed to Bridgeton Academy up in Maine. I don't know if you've ever heard of that prep school. He went up there. He's really struggling right now. He went up there. Uh, they told him they were going to play eight games, then six games, then five games. Well, we got it back up to seven. They ended up playing uh, four games, and they played against two other teams twice this year. And that's all the film he got from, from paying. Fifty thousand dollars to go to a, to a yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and you talk about a downer, and calling coaches about him. He's a good player, you know. He, he's he, he's looking at me going, you know, you, I've been with you for six years. I've seen all these kids that have gotten scholarships. He's, I thought he thought I was the scholarship wizard, and I go, Deck, this is a horrible year. And he goes, Why does it happen to me, Maltz? It's happening to everybody in the country right now. It's an ugly year to get recruited for sure. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta, uh, kind of add another year to your life, and, and, and you know, anybody, you know, you're gonna graduate from college at 24 instead of 22 or whatever. It's just, it, 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 you're not alone. It's not like this is the only, there's a small group of people. Every kid who's being recruited this year had to deal with this kind of kind of stuff it's uh it's it's very sad you know uh that kids lost i mean at cornell they canceled all winter sports yeah we have like a top we have a top wrestling team cancel that top hockey team we're like you know one of the top teams in the country 
cancel that. Cancel basketball. I mean, well, that's it's, it's pretty good lacrosse. It's terrible. Well, hopefully they'll be – that's a spring sport, so hopefully they'll play lacrosse. But they canceled the lacrosse team last year, and uh, we were on our way to – you know, we had another great lacrosse team, and they canceled the season. So it's, um, you know, it's sad. It's it's hard to – you know, it's a very politically driven in, in so many ways, which make, makes people doubt. Uh, whether the uh, the validity of what they're doing, you know, is it is it real or or you know, well, I hope we don't look back at this and see how destructive it's been in so to so many areas of our lives, only to find out that it was you know not presented to us the way you know accurately. I so and and I, the, uh, I think we know the answer to that. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what's sad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is sad, and and, and people are going to have to. Uh, there's going to be people who are going to be pointed out as being the perpetrators of this stuff, and they're going to pay the price, no, no doubt about it. Because you can't, you know, this is a lot of been not to get political, but you know, it's, it's just it's to see it's all these from, young people. It's gone from a disease to a political football, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and everybody's afraid to admit. Everybody's afraid to admit, even now, that they were wrong. No one will ever it's admit the same, that they the were. Same numbers as the flu. I mean, you, the statistics. Yeah. If you look at statistics, you look at this in the flaw in the flawed science behind a lot of this. Um, and I'm a data guy. I, I'm di- driven by everything I do is on data. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. Talk football. So that's, that's a whole, that be a whole show, right? So we're gonna we're uh, coming up on an hour and twenty minutes, um, and I, I'm hoping to uh, get a a good feel for. See, you're you've been a humble guy on this show, and you've your your humility is admirable as well as some other things that you know. Wondering if we can step outside of some things where you really look at yourself because if you're an oh, if you're not an overachiever, I'm a dramatic underachiever. Let me put it that way. <laughs> uh, and uh, you've had a lot of life, and you and the things that you've been you've been able to achieve in your life are are amazing. And and same with my brother Mark, and same with Coop. Um, just. If you guys could, if you can say how all of this, all of these things, you know, have helped your life, and especially the sport of football, uh, and how how it touched your life, and might have helped you through your acting career or whatever, whatever, whatever it is in life that you you have to do, if you can give the positives of what football ha- does for people, and give the negatives as well, you know. But uh, and like did, it, the, did it start all the way back in high school, or when did you really realize you were who you were? And it kicked in, and you said, "I can be everything I want to be." And that type of uh, scenario. Right. Uh, well, you know, I um, first of all, I was born in New York City. I was born in Manhattan, and as a, a young kid, like a three, four, five-year-old kid, I. Was, my playground was 10th Avenue and 60th Street in New York City. There was no park, no grass. We would sneak up to the rectory where the nuns uh, lived 
and sneak through the fence and run around on the grass because that was the only grass. And I was a young kid. Okay? Yeah. I was only five, six years old. My grandfather owned a grocery store. My, we lived above the, the, the grocery store. And, um, you know, then my parents wanted to get us out of New York City. So that's when, when I was five years old, we moved to New Jersey. And a uh, little suburban area, uh, kind of a blue-collar type town right across the George Washington Bridge. And um, that's when, you know, I was, it was like we were moving to the country. And that's when I started, uh, you know, playing sports. Now, my parents had no sports background. I'm amazed that my mother even – I remember she forgot to sign me up for Little League Baseball. And I was crying because they, she finally was able to talk them into letting me on, on a team. And, uh, you know, I played baseball. Uh, you know, everything that we did was in the streets. Right. We, I mean, that was my whole – I played I played every kind of baseball you can imagine. Probably not a different than you guys, but I played I – played Stickball, wiffle ball, kickball, softball, punch ball, every kind of baseball there was. And, um, but it was all, you know, it wasn't organized at all. And then, I mean, I put, the only thing I played uh, organized was, was literally baseball. And then at 12 years old, my town started a junior football league program. And I, you know, I was all excited about that. But, you know, I played. You know, my two years until I went to high school, you know, and I and I was good. You know, I was a running back and a quarterback, and you know, I, I you know, I mean, I it, it was all natural. It's just natural athletic ability because again, no one taught me how to do anything. Plus, you didn't have and, you, know, just, you didn't have PlayStation in your way. You had to go outside. No, no, yeah. I. Yeah. You know what? It, it's funny. I talk about. I tell people that. Um, you know, I remember as a, as a, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, I would go to the park by myself with a basketball and, you know, not for anyone. I would dribble down the court with left hand and shoot, then I'd go back the other way, dribble down and shoot right hand, and then I'd go back and forth, and I'd get in these games with kids. I was like, you know, in eighth, ninth grade, I'd get in these games with the seniors, you know, in high school and get the crap beat out of me. But I, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, it, it, it was not any reason. It was nothing. I was never driven by anything. I just liked it. It was fun. You know, I, 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 I got a little bit of attention for being pretty good at it. And I think that was the, that was the biggest motivator. I think that's the biggest motivator for any young kid. You guys, if you think back at it, the first time, People told you that you were good at something, you know. You went, "Wow, okay, that feels good," you know. Yeah, right. And I remember that's that's that made me. Uh, that was my motivation, you know. Again, my parents had no; they didn't know what I was doing. You know, they didn't they didn't really come to all my games or anything like that. Uh, you know, I remember in high school. I mean, we lived across the street from the high school, and. You know, I'd be playing a football game in the field behind the, you know, varsity football game. My mother would be in the supermarket shopping while I was playing a football game. 
and, and I think I think they really sort of you know then I got started getting recruited to colleges and uh, I, I actually got had some basketball scholarships to play in college and uh, these coaches were coming to our house and you know my mother would make them take their shoes off before they came in the house because <laughs> they track any mud in the house. And uh, you know, my father was a sign painter, and my mother was an Italian mother, house housewife. And um, you know, I, I think when I when I started to get headlines in the paper, you know, even in our local paper, when I went to Cornell, you know, and I was I was you know an All-American, and, you know, that's where they they really they want, they would come up to Cornell every game to see me play. I don't think every game. I, I, you know, uh, to, to answer your, your question, I mean, I, um, there were a lot of things that just happened for me that, you know, I was just lucky. I think, uh, I'm not being humble or modest. I mean, I, I got so lucky when I went to Cornell because the year before, when I was a freshman, I played freshman football. They didn't let you, there was no varsity back in 1960. Yeah, you couldn't play varsity as a freshman, so we had a freshman football team. You know, and I was uh, I was a running back. I, I played in the split backfield, fullback, halfback. You know, I get down in the three point stance, four yards behind the line of scrimmage, and they turn around and hit you the ball or whatever, following the blockers and stuff. Uh, on the varsity, the uh, the leading ground gainer for the varsity that year. Gain like uh, just under 500 yards rushing, you know. So, in between my freshman and senior year, I mean my freshman year and my sophomore year, uh, the the coaches put in a, a new offense, and it was the based on Indiana. It was the the uh, I big I formation where the tailback lined up, you know, eight yards behind. Yeah. And then they, you know, they pitched me the ball or option down the line or but. So it was my sophomore year, and I'm I'm competing with eight other kids running backs. And I had the, the first game I got to play as a. I remember it was I was a sophomore when we scrimmaged uh, this college. And. I gained 185 yards in the scrimmage. And, I mean, th- these people went crazy. You know, and I, and, and I, and I, but I was getting the ball deep and, boom, I cut you up. I, I mean, I was following, I, I, you know, I, where there was a hole, I would go and find it. And I slashed, and then, I mean, it, it, it was su- surprising to me how it, it was going. I said, wow. <laughs> so then, so then, now I'm a sophomore. I'm, I'm 19 years old. And the first, I, I remember this, because my first varsity game against Colgate, and we didn't have a great team. We were really good, you know. We had a lot of sophomores and stuff. I gained, I gained 162 yards in my first start in the varsity, okay? Everybody's, you know, wow, wow. The next game, we go play Rutgers at Rutgers, okay? And 
I gained 245 yards. Okay, so, you know, and they're going freaking nuts. You know, they don't know what they have all of a sudden. I mean, they, nobody ever expected this. So, so, and, and I made some great runs. And then we, I, we played Princeton. I think I gained like 150-something. And then my fourth varsity game, we played Harvard. And we're 21-point underdogs against Harvard. And I gained 281 yards and scored five touchdowns. <laughs> both Ivy records, both Cornell records. So in four games, I had, I had like 800 yards rushing. I was averaging over two. I was leading the nation in rushing. I had all these games. I broke every single Cornell record. Now, you got to think how heady that was at the time. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I never, I never expected, you know, I'm sports illustrated back of the week. I'm associated press back of the week. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at Cornell. I don't even have a girlfriend, you know, uh, that was the only time in your life that you could say that. <laughs> no, no, it, it, was, it was like I, I, I became like this, uh, and, and this is the Ivy League, so it's somewhat tempered because they, you know, they, they didn't know how to, they didn't know how to handle what was happening. Again, I was getting Cornell football was getting national attention for the first time since the 40s. And I'm doing this stuff, and I'm and I'm just so you know. Did I did I plan this? No, but I, I tell you, I you know I got so lucky that they changed the offense because if they had not changed the offense, and I wasn't the, the, that would have never in a million years happened. So, so you know that was sort of serendipitous. Watching you run as a freshman? No. No, I don't. I don't. I, I'd like to say that, but no. I think they had no idea what I could do. I had no idea what I could do. I mean, it was shocking to me how natural it felt when they put in that offense. How, you know, I had that vision, and I could, you know, it, it, it was funny when I went to the Vikings. You know. That's you know that was my running style, and then I had to go. I I, I never got the three point stance ever in college after my my sophomore my freshman year. I, I was always hands on my my knees. I was in an eye formation. I stand up just like what they do today. Nobody gets in a three point stance. The backs just in. That's what I did all through college. Then I go to Minnesota, and they 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 had um, me in a three point stance again, and. and it was like very foreign to me, but I would, I would still do the same thing. I would run. To, I didn't know how to follow blocks. I ran where I saw daylight, and and they all. Every time I make a cutback, even though I gained yards, or you got to run to the hole, you had a down block there. You didn't, uh, and you know, it really messed me up. I mean, in Minnesota, they 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 broke my spirits because they kept yeah, the first game I ever started in, in Minnesota was was against the Green Bay Packers. It was the sixth game of the season, and um, our Clinton Jones, our running back, got hurt. So I started against the Packers, okay, in Green Bay. And I gained 80 yards on 19 carries. 
okay? The most that any Vikings had gained up to that point in a game, any running back. 80 yards, 19 carries. They chewed out my ass after that game and watching the films. Like, uh, oh, look, you had a big hole here. You, you know, if I didn't see the hole, boom, I was going over here. I was, boom, I, you know, I was all over the place, but I was gaining yards. And, and they had me so paranoid about running to the hole. And, and, and again, I get it because in the NFL, it's so fast. You know, you, you know how they have it. You have the, uh, the, the, the tackle would step back, the garbage shoot, boom, and, and then you, you hug the down block. Above it. That was a foreign concept to me. I, I didn't know what running. If I didn't see the hole by the time I was, you know, like two yards away, I was going someplace else. But they, hey, yeah, run to the hole, run to the hole. Uh, and and it, it destroyed me. So, you know, that, that I, I look at my, and, and, you know, when I, I told you the story about with the Jets, you know, I, I I got to do a little bit more of that kind of running with the Jets. I, they put me at fullback, and I, you know, I would take this wide step, and then I could cut back and whatever. And that's when I gained all my yards. So it was, Minnesota was very frustrating because, like I said, the two things I never did in college was catch passes and block. And, you know, people ask me what I think my greatest athletic achievement was ever. And I, I tell them, very easy, learning how to pick up a blitz. Because if you never learned how to pick up a blitzing linebacker, and you have to learn it in the NFL, I never, I mean, and these right. guys know how to fake and they're coming hard and, and, and you you gotta well you know it's hard. It's hard picking you know, not letting them fake you out and getting a piece of them because if you don't, you know, talking is gonna get you out of the game like in a second. So <laughs> and that was the hardest thing I ever and you know, I I I caught eleven passes in college. I caught eleven in one game with the Minnesota, and that was a Viking record. I caught 54 passes my last year there, which was third in the NFC, sixth in the NFL. I caught 11 passes my whole career in, in, in college. You wow. have to ask yourself, why were they, why did they draft me? <laughs> what, what, where did they, what did they see? <laughs> and they never let me do any of those things. And you know what? I never played special teams. I, the only special team I played was the obvious onside kick. Yep. <laughs> and they did that because because they you know they knew that I wasn't going to tackle anybody, you know, uh, so they weren't going to have me. I wasn't going to be covering kickoffs and stuff like that. <laughs> That's the one thing I'll say about Bud Grant. He's very perceptive. <laughs> you, he ain't going to be covering punts. <laughs> if if I was playing offense and there was an interception, I'd fall down. I'd pretend like I got blocked. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I here's what I heard uh, inside your message. You know, you know, first of all, kids are, have a very regimented life today. One is they can't go outside on their own if they're too young, uh, for fear of all the predators that are out outside the door. Um, so they're they're highly highly and smartly gar uh, guarded in today's world, um, so they don't get get hurt. You know, uh, their entire lives are st very structured. You know, you go, you go into the dentist now, you go to school th these hours, you go to your football team at these hours, 
and then you go do to your training or whatever in these hours. It's a highly structured environment. Um, they don't really, in their own personal time, they, re they really just want to sit at home and get on their computer games and play, you know, play Call of Duty, whatever, whatever the games are, Fortnite, yeah. whatever it is. And so the way you discussed your life is important, uh, Ed, in that you wanted to go do these things, that your parents probably didn't even know what you were doing. But you wanted, you had a desire to do it. I've never seen anybody be successful at something they didn't want to do. Um, and I heard a lot of desire. You know, I'm, I'm going to play, ba it's basketball season, I'm going to play basketball. You know, it's football season, I'm going to go play football. Or, you know, whatever sport was out there, Mark, Mark and I did the same thing. You know, I, they would always give me the ball and say, you're the center. My brother Ed and my brother Mark. I was the center for 12 years, I think. And I would snap the ball and then do nothing else. Mark's not responding to that. <laughs> for sure. but, well, you're probably, you're probably really good at it, though. <laughs> yeah, I can still snap it. To, you should see how good I am at snap, snapping it to a quarterback in practice. But anyway. Uh, you, know, uh, you know what? You know what? Here, here's, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that um, it's just a function of when we grew up. Because Yep. We didn't. We didn't have the options of right. what the hell were we going to do after school? What were we going to watch? Uh, we were going to watch uh, Liberace, you know, on, on TV. Um, Lawrence Welk. I mean, you come home from school, Lawrence Welk. There was nothing on on television. You, and that's what we did. You know, we we were outside. Channels, all three channels. You couldn't find something. <laughs> <laughs> that was what a thousand. Hey, you know what? Remember something, when I did Hill Street Blues in 1981, there were only three channels. Yeah, yeah. In 1981, there were only three channels. Right. It was before Fox even came out. So, right. you know, that, that was... Yeah, um, ESPN yeah, but, was like I mean, every, or Yeah, we, we um, I guess we were lucky, but we were doing what the only options we had. We were not going to stay inside. Right. So when you're going to come home and school, we want to run around and play with your friends and, and do whatever that was i mean i'm sure we would be doing the same thing if we had computers and and uh that sort of controlled our lives i mean it, it's always nice to think we had it better than today's kids but you know that's what every generation said so well it's not necessarily <laughs> it's not necessarily a competition between good good or better it's how do you get to the point of desire uh, kids today um, they dream about the, they play the, the PlayStation uh, football Madden's games, Madden, whatever, yeah. Madden, and they play it, and then they see that they all have fantasy teams, you know, and they, if they pick their fantasy players and they do all that kind of stuff, and they have it in their minds when they step into high school that um, they, they want to play in the NFL, you know. They, they don't want to play any other level than Division One. Uh, a lot of them would, you know, wouldn't even consider Cornell or the Ivy League because, first of all, that's too much homework uh, to get there. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's just good to hear. Ed, and I was complimenting you on this. You know, it's good to hear how much desire you had in having fun, and it is possible to have fun today with this sport. And I see the kids who are most successful. I had a kid one one time say his name's Florian McCann. He said uh, that they say the kids would ask him at school. 
why don't you ever come to parties on the weekends? He goes, I'm working out. That's my party. I love it. I love going being with the guys, and I love being in the gym, and I love doing those things. I don't like going sitting around with you guys while you're drinking beer and doing all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I like I like training, and so I think desire is a strong point of it. But we've been going for a long time, Eddie. We've had you on the on here for a long time, and we sure do appreciate uh, the things you shared with us. That's going to get shared with a lot of people after this. So I uh, wanted to thank you, and uh, Mark, thanks for calling in too. Uh, you know, I know you guys have been good friends for a really long time and uh, wanted to put that together. But, Ed, do you have any final words you want to leave us with? Uh, well, you know, I just uh, hope that we can all, you know, get past this thing and, and, you know, look back at it and maybe try to bring something positive from what we've gone through. And I, there always is something positive. If you can survive this, this whole thing, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really tested, you know, you know, I think it's tested our leader, the people who choose to lead us in this country. I think it's going to make us all look a little differently at people who we elect our elected officials, because you know what? We have been spoiled in this country for a long time, and we've never faced any real adversity. We've had some economic downfalls, like a, the, the market crashing, the economy, but those are things that you can you know, overcome. This was something totally different, and wait, it's, you can't help but think that the leaders in this country were not up to it. It's very easy to lead when things are good. Because you know nobody's paying attention to our elected officials and what they're doing, but when you look to them for guidance and for help and for decision making, and they fail you, and I think that's what we've seen. So I think moving forward in any election process going forward, we're going to scrutinize who we elect because there's a lot of people in this country who were so-called leaders who failed us during the time where you really need leadership. You know, they were just, you know, empty suits. And, and when, when, the, when the rubber hit the road, they weren't ready to, to, to help us. So I think, you know, we can take that away from what happened because it's exposed a lot of people. A lot of, it's, a, it's exposed our political system. And I'm not talking Democrat, Republican. I'm talking about just the system and who we choose you know and elect. Think has been exposed the most is the media. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, absolutely. That's they're, they're so they're, they they have yeah. It's 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 what they've done, and it's 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 a, it's scary how it was even created. How you got this 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 very powerful section of our society, which are not that big. It's not a big group. It's a small group, but they have all the power. We've given them the power that they have abused. And, you know, it's, 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 it, uh, this, again, is going to expose them, too. I mean, I think anybody, fair-minded person, you know, has to look at it and say, you know, this was not good. This was not good. I'm going to recommend that everybody watch Blue Mountain State instead of watch – Flip us all, all over it. Well, Ed. Hey, hey, 
I want to thank you a lot for coming on. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of stuff to work with here. You helped us a lot, and uh, really appreciate you. And uh, don't forget to respect your package with those. That's it, Dave. <laughs> you know what? My, you know what? One of my famous lines from Blue Mountain State was. What's that? To my team. Remember, you come from your father's balls. <laughs> well, you, then you gotta respect respect your package. Ed, thanks a lot. I don't know if you know how to disconnect from that thing, but uh, we're good. To I have no you. idea. You're gonna. I'm, all right. Good to talk to you guys, Coop. Good to see you. Let me know when you let me know when you do that your fishing deal. I'm gonna call you. Hey, hey, Mark. Thanks for calling in too. Uh, you there? Yeah. Hey, good talking to you guys. Always, Mark. All right, Marco. I'll talk to you, buddy. All right, God bless. All right. Hang up here. All right. Take care. All right, buddy. Bye. Go to respectyourpackage.com. Use discount code SIB, Moles and Coop, all caps. That's S-I-B-N-U-L-L-S-A-N-D-C-O-O-P, all caps, 